This morning, I'm excited to dive in this series for the month of April called Come and See. Come and See. And here's what I know and here's what I believe is that Jesus, without a doubt, is the greatest story ever told. And I want as many people in New Tampa and Wesley Chapel to hear about the story. But, but even more than just hear the story, the question I had this morning is, what if we actually experienced the presence and the power of Jesus? And it became more than just a story that we talked about every Easter, but we really lived in that power. And that was John's mission and his goal behind writing the book of John. And so over this month, I want to look at stories from this, this book this gospel, because John's whole goal was to be a witness and I account to the greatness of Jesus. And when you look at these stories in the book of John, one of the common threads that is woven in and out of the chapters is that the people that are healed, they just aren't healed and go away. But oftentimes what John writes about is what they do after they experience the power of God. And it, no other place is this more on display than John chapter four, where Jesus encountered this woman whose life is all messed up. And he, he starts calling out the issues in her life and says, man, you've, you've had five husbands and the, and the guy you're with now is not even your husband. He just like starts calling out her business. And when she runs back to her friends and she experienced the power of God, she says this to her, to her friends, John writes, she says, come and see the man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And over these next few weeks, I want us to experience, I want, I want us to do our best, Bay Chapel, to help New Tampa and Wesley Chapel, not just come and see, you know, a, a few good songs and a message and some Easter egg hunts and some bounce houses. I want to invite people to come and see something in someone that could change their life forever. Is anybody with me in the room? Amen. Amen. Let's do it. As a matter of fact, while I'm talking about come and see, y'all took me serious with that. Put the yard sign in your neighbor's yard last week. I mean, we, we completely ran out of yard signs. So whoever took it upon themselves to be on the yard sign team, we ordered a hundred more for you this week. All right. I'm telling you. Come on, instead of egging your neighbor, just yard sign your neighbor, man. Make sure they get the message. No, for real, let's get those yard signs out and let's introduce people to Jesus over this Easter season. Today, I wanna to spend just a few minutes talking about this idea, grace is greater. Grace is greater. If there's a central theme throughout the Bible, and there's probably a topic that's been preached more than any other, it's this idea of grace. And there's a story in John that has just been resonating with me as I've read it. And I actually preached on it a couple months ago, but I want to revisit it today in John chapter eight. But I, I want to go there in just a minute. But before I do, when I, th when I think about grace, everybody, it kind of reminds me a couple months ago, Jen, it was about her birthday and she came to me and she said, here's what I want for my birthday. And here's what we do. We're not big gift givers, but when we are, we take the surprise out of it and just go ahead and let each other know what we would like for our birthday. Anybody, you know, with me on that? Like, I don't want to take the time to take something back and then it offend you. Let me just tell you what I like. As a matter of fact, here's the link. You could just order it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Don't give me that look like that. You do the same thing. She said, I would like to get my car detailed for my birthday, to which I was like, this is the best thing ever. 
because I really believe that cleanliness is next to godliness. It, it is. I just feel God more when I'm in a clean house and when I'm in a clean car. It's like, I don't know. I just feel good. And so when she said she wanted this for her birthday, I thought, I feel kind of bad about this. I feel like this is a birthday present for me. But I went through with it, of course, you know, and, and we took it to the, the detail shop. And before I get too far and get way in trouble with this story, let me just let you know that before this was Jen's vehicle, this was my vehicle and, and gave it to her. I got a smaller sedan so I better gas mileage and get around. And, and so took this to the detail the first thing in the morning. I called them about midday. I said, man, you know, is the thing done? He said, we still got a long way to go. And that just tell you a little bit about our car. I called him a couple hours later. I said, hey, I'll be there. He said, no, hang on. This is an end of the day situation. All right. It's an all day job. So we got there, went with Jen to, to pick this thing up at the very end of the day. Man, I couldn't, I couldn't tell if it was my car or somebody else's brand new vehicle. I mean, that thing was shining. You could eat off this thing. It was just, it, it was pretty looking. And he took us and he opened up the back seat. And when I looked in there, he showed me. I thought he had given, I thought there was a gift basket that he was about to give us. And lo and behold, actually what that gift basket was, was everything that we own that was in that car. And on top of this basket of gifts that we received that we actually owned was a wad of cash. This deal got better. I thought I was going to have to pay for the detail. They were paying me, man. I mean, I was getting more money back, I think, than we actually paid for. It was a, I don't know where this money was hiding, but go get your car detailed. You might find money. And then, and then, so not only was there cash, but then I look and there's the equivalent, everybody, because my boys are in the backseat all the time. There's an equivalent to a McDonald's small fry sitting in this basket. And crazy enough, the fries look the same way they did than the day you buy them. They hadn't changed. They're, they're still golden. I don't know what that says about McDonald's fries, but you know. And then not only were there fries, but then there was this, this giant stack of Bay Chapel pins. That's right. The pin that you're riding with right now might be the one that was in our vehicle a couple months ago. I don't know. <clears throat> And then I couldn't believe it either. I don't know how this is with you, but then there was just this large stack. I don't know, it was four or five, but it was, it was plenty. Just this big stack of chapstick. Listen, I don't know how you guys are with chapstick, but I can never find it when I need it. And so we go buy new chapstick. You know, it's a buck, two bucks, whatever. And most of the chapstick that we have laying around our house in a car, it's like 1% used. I mean, we could start a used chapstick business in the Morris family. I mean, it was just, and there's all this stuff. And here's the deal is when I think about grace, everybody, I recognize this. It's the way I felt when we left that day. That car was so clean. I thought, man, I don't know if I want to keep this or maybe we should just go ahead and sell it now. I mean, it's just, it's A plus. And here's what I want you to know this morning is that every day that we wake up, you know, the Bible says this in Lamentations, that as sure as the sunrise, his mercy is new every morning. And there's not a day that you wake up that God's grace isn't waiting for you, waiting to forgive and love you and give you a clean, state and a, a clean slate and a second chance. And today I just felt led to speak to somebody in the room that's walking through the weight of your mistakes, the weight of your sin.
Because what the enemy's tried to do in your life is not just tell you what you've done, but reminds you that's who you are. And let me tell you, that is a lie from the enemy. He wants to attach our sin to us and it become part of who we are. But God's grace today sets us free from our past and lets us walk today in freedom and in victory. Can somebody say amen? And so I want to revisit this story, John chapter 8. If, if you're new, you can grab your note sheet in the worship guide. You can look on the screen. The, the scriptures will be there. If you've never downloaded the Bible app, do that. It's a great way to study and read God's word on a daily basis. But let's follow along. John chapter 8. It says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. And so notice this right off the bat. It's probably a situation like this. And Jesus has come from the Mount of Olives. It was his favorite place to be. He's preaching at the temple. It's a scenario like this. I'm sure that out in the courtyard, they had cotton candy and bounce houses. And and here he is preaching. And it says, a crowd soon gathered. And he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking... The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And notice this. They put her in front of the crowd. So time out for a second. Just imagine for a moment the scenario and the scene that's going down. Jesus is teaching. There's a crowd of people. And all of a sudden, the most important religious figures in all of town come walking in the back doors carrying a woman whose life is in shambles. Only to bring her up to put her on public display for all that she had done wrong. Let me tell you, if that scenario played out today, this place would empty her faster than I could blink. And I would be the first one out the back door. And, and here, everybody, is, is what I want to remind us before I go any further is that religion stinks awful. It, it smells rotten, and there is nothing life-giving about it. Religion, it, it kills, but relationship gives life. Understand this, religion, it compares, it values my goodness and my worth based on what they've done and who they are. But relationship chooses to celebrate Religion compares, but relation celebrates. Religion says you've got to earn it, but relationship says just receive it. Just receive it. And some of us today have been caught in the lie that as soon as I get everything right in my life, I can come to God. And the beautiful thing about God is he comes to you right where you are and loves you the way you are. That's the way God works. That's the way he does. And he shows up on this scene. And look what happens next. It says, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, the old covenant, the old Testament says to stone her. What do you say? Look, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. I don't know if that connects with you, but I don't know. The first time I read that, I thought, what do you mean they're trying to trap him? And and what's interesting is not only are they putting her on public display, but they're actually trying to put Jesus on public display. Let me tell you, it's not going to work out real good for you if you're trying to trap Jesus. Because what happens here is 
They're trying to create a scenario because in the old covenant, the Jewish law, it would have said that she was worthy of being stoned because of what she had done, but they were under Roman authority. And Roman authority said that only a judge could decide if somebody was worthy of murder. So Jesus would have been talking out of place. And it would have been way against his character, this God of love and forgiveness. And they weren't actually trying to trap her. They were trying to trap him. And I love what happens next. Jesus calls an audible. The way I see it is like this. You know, it's like a, a, like a quarterback. I love when I'm watching a, a great quarterback and he lines up at the line of scrimmage and he's got his guys right there. But he noticed that the de- notices when the defense changes. And oftentimes when he sees a guy that looks like he's about to, to blitz or to sneak in, he'll tap that that lineman on the rear and say, Hey, make sure you get your rear in front of that guy right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't let him get to me. And a great quarterback, he'll actually just stand there and point guys out and call them out. And I love what Jesus does because he calls an audible and he looks up and he sees that Pharisee dressed in that robe. And he says, that guy that on the outside knows it all and can quote all the scriptures, his heart is far from me. And this guy over there, the old one with the, the scraggly beard, that Pharisee, is trying to do the right thing. Actually, he's wicked. And Jesus reaches down in the sand and he starts to write in the sand. Look what happens in verse seven. It says, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and again said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. He levels the playing field, everybody. He says, well, man, if you don't have any sin, why don't you go ahead and throw the first stone? Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Now, honestly, scholars that are way smarter than me have debated this for a long time, what Jesus was writing in the dust. And honestly, we'll never know on this side of heaven. Actually, when you get on the other side of eternity, you can ask God, what did you write in the dust and why did you create mosquitoes? All right, you know, we're just never gonna understand in this life. But it goes on in verse nine, it says, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said to her, you know what he said? I don't think he cried quite like that. (laughs) It could have been. But what Jesus said was grace, grace, grace. I do not condemn you either. I don't need to tell you all the things you've done wrong. I don't need you to show up in church to remind you how broken your life is. I came this morning to remind you that God's love covers every sin and every stain in your life. Jesus didn't come to bring a bunch of rules. He came to bring grace. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you, the grace of Jesus is there when no one else is. The grace of Jesus he, he's the one that sticks closer than a brother. You know, it's amazing. It's often in our lowest moments that you find out who is really with you. Isn't it? Have you experienced this in your life? You know, you win the lottery, you'll find out you got a lot of new friends. 
you fall on hard times and you'll struggle to find out if you've got any friends at all. And you've probably been like that in your lowest moments. Let me tell you this. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Even when we blow it, he's still there for us. It reminds me of a story I've shared before, but I love this. A man named Charlie Moore, he moved into a new community with his family. He wanted to make friends, so he joined this local softball league, and he took his family out to the first game to join him. Charlie got up to bat, set his feet, squared his shoulders. As the ball came across the plate, he missed it by a mile. The crowd groaned, but one voice could be heard over the din of people. You can do it, Mr. Moore. The second pitch came, and again he swung wildly and missed, and again the voice could be heard. You can do it, Mr. Moore. The third pitch swung, and the voice cried. That's okay, Mr. Moore. When the game was over, the family got into their car, and as they made their way down the road, the dad turned to his son and said, Was that you that yelled out, You can do it, Mr. Moore? When his son admitted that it indeed was his voice, the dad said he appreciated his son's encouragement, but he wondered, why did you call me Mr. Moore? Well, the boy said, I didn't want anyone to know that I was related to you. Here's, Here's what I want you to know this morning. Is that even when you strike out, God still calls you by name. Even when you blow it, listen, if you blew it last night or you blew it on the way to church this morning, you all are fighting on the way here. Listen, God loves you and he still has grace for you. And today's the day to walk in that grace. Grace is greater. Grace is greater. Two things. Grace is greater. Number one, than our shame. Grace is greater than our shame. There's a big difference that I want us just to catch a picture of this morning, but Big difference between guilt, the feeling we feel for the choices we make, and shame, what we carry with us because of those choices. Guilt is a feeling, but shame, everybody, is a stronghold. Guilt is, a, a, is feeling bad about what you've done, but shame is feeling bad about who you are. Guilt is the pain we experience because of our past mistakes, but shame is the embarrassment and humiliation we carry into our future. Let let me tell you this. The enemy's goal in your life is not for you just to have a little bad night's sleep because you made a poor choice. The enemy's goal in your life, the goal of sin in your life is to carry your mistake with you for as long as you live. What, What the enemy wants to do is tattoo your pain so that every time you look at yourself and your life, all you can see is the hurt and the mistakes and the choices you've made wrong. It, it kind of reminds me of the guy that went in for a tattoo and said, man, I'm just gonna get the no regrets, man, I'm living life, no regrets. And he got done and on his arm it said, no regrets. <laughs> Some of you, Some of you are looking at the stories of your life and you can't see the destiny and future that God has for you because all you see is the shame and pain of your past. 
and the enemy has done his best to stamp on you what you've done. Let me tell you, that's not what grace does. When Jesus got down in the sand and wrote in that sand and met that woman in her place of need, he didn't need to remind her that she had blown it. She already knew that. He reminded her how much he loved her. Shame helps us walk into the new thing. That uh, I, I'm sorry. Freedom helps us walk, and grace helps us walk into the new thing that God has for us. Grace is greater than our shame, but grace is also greater than our secrets. Grace is also greater than our secrets. This woman, she was, she was uncovered in this moment. The thing that she had held hidden was on public display. And the enemy's goal in our life is to make us feel like, you know what, as long as nobody knows about it, and as long as I'm handling it okay, then I'm going to be okay. And it's such a lie from the enemy. And grace wants to speak to every uncovered place in our heart, everything we've ever swept under the rug or kept in the closet, and say to us, you don't have to walk in that anymore. You don't have to live in hiding. Walk in the freedom that I have for you. Here's the truth, everybody, of 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins... Just come clean with God. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I just want to encourage us over the next four or five minutes before we go and and have a great time today. How to walk out that grace that God has for us. How to step into the freedom and not live bound up by the past, but live out the new life that Jesus wants us to live. I know you want to live that and I do too. So often I let my mistakes eat me up and I carry them for way too long. But I, today I want to leave them at the cross of Jesus Christ. Today I don't want to carry my mistakes any longer. I want to walk in the freedom that God has for me. And I think it happens three ways. Number one, we make a decision to stay humble. Stay humble. Here's what I find in my life, and I don't know how it works out for your life, but I often feel that as time goes by, I have a tendency to move towards relying on my own strength. And I find this happen in my life over and over and over, that just about the time that I feel like I got my life figured out is is the moment that the enemy just puts a stick right in front of me and I find myself tripping. I find myself tripping on my face going, God, how did I get here? And it's oftentimes that my pride, my my flesh that says, Wes, you can do it. Let me tell you, our strength doesn't come in anything from us. It comes in the one who lives inside of us. And and, and our power is not in what we can do. It's it's in Jesus. It's staying humble. It's knowing his strength in us makes us strong. Proverbs 3.34, it says this, God's grace and favor flow to who? The humble. James says this, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We walk in humility. And number two is this, we we make a decision to just be open and honest with God. Be open and honest with God. Let let me ask you, when's the last time you just came clean with God and said, God, here I am. Here's what I know. Because it was the original sin. You look all the way back. We've been doing this for a long time. Our natural tendency when we blow it is to run and hide. That's what Adam and Eve did. They didn't, they'd never sinned before. And the first time they did, the first thing they did was run and put some leaves on, hide behind a bush. And that's our tendency. Instead of being open, we want to cover up. 
You know, oftentimes I'll come home and if my boys have had a bad afternoon with Jen, she doesn't even have to say anything to me. I can just look at the frustration on her face and tell my boys have been creating all kinds of hell all over our house. And they'll probably be in their room from time to time and maybe in time out and she'll tell me what has happened. And oftentimes when they're in trouble, she'll say something like this, Wes, you need to go talk to your boys. It's only when my boys are in trouble that she'll refer to them as your boys. When they're doing great, they're her angels, but they're my boys when they're messed up. And she'll tell me what they've done wrong. And I walk into their room and I've done this over and over and over. And before they say anything, the first thing I'll I'll say to them before they can even let a word out of their mouth, Caden, Ben, I already know what happened. I already know what happened. And here's the reason why. Because I know that their tendency with me is they don't want to disappoint me. They don't want to tell me that they've blown it. And so their tendency is to figure out a way to revamp that story to make their brother look as bad as they possibly can. But before that, they could get to that tall tale and the story of what they imagined happened. Caden, I want you to know, buddy, I already know what happened. You hear me? And here's what happens with me. Is oftentimes, if I can get them to respond to me and tell me the truth, I know this about my heart. Is that when they tell me the truth, my heart wants to respond in grace. Because I remember when they were kicking in the womb. And now I feel them kicking outside the womb. And I I know their goods and their bads. And I'm there for them in every moment. And we feed them and we feed them and we feed them. We do everything we can to care for them. And I know this. If they'll just be honest with me, my heart is for them. I want to respond in grace. Let me tell you, the Heavenly Father is the same way. He just wants from us to be open and honest because we don't have a judgmental God that's looking down, ready to just cast judgment and tell us how bad we've been. We're his children. He loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And all he wants from us is to go, God, I need you. I've blown it again. Here I am, God when we do it, he responds with a heart of love and compassion for his children. Be open and honest with God. And number three, receive grace as a gift. Receive grace as a gift. Ephesians 2a says this, God saved you by his grace when you believe and you can't take credit for it. It's the gift of God. It's a gift of God. What would it look like? The question I have for you this morning is if you open your heart to God and say, God, I receive your grace and your mercy. I'm not gonna walk in the shame of my past any any longer, but I'm gonna walk in everything you have for me. God wants to do it today. Would you just bow your heads as we close this morning?